We heard St. Paul give us this encouragement today. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold on to the teachings that were passed along to you, either by word of mouth or by a letter from us. Amen. Can anything good come from Racine? That was the question that was being asked of me over 16 years ago when I was living in Kentucky holding the call to come to Epiphany. Now, even though I had grown up in Wisconsin, I didn't pay attention to where Racine was or what was going on in this city. And so other people that were living around Wisconsin, they felt free to give me advice about what Racine was like and tell me negative stories about the city. I remember they especially told me to make sure which church I was holding a call to because one of the churches was in a better neighborhood and the other one was in a rougher neighborhood. Can anything good come from Racine? Can anything good come from Epiphany? Can anything good come from New Hope? Epiphany is a 94-year-old church in the middle of a block where nobody knows where it is. New Hope is a 40-plus-year-old congregation on a very busy highway where nobody knows where it is. And now we have voted to merge these two congregations into Water of Life Lutheran Church of Racine and Caledonia. Can anything good come out of Water of Life Lutheran Church? People can be skeptical about Racine. They can be skeptical about water of life. And they were certainly skeptical about Jesus. Jesus looked like any other carpenter that you might hire to build some furniture for you. He was from the podunk town of Nazareth. Yet today we see there is hidden glory in this Jesus of Nazareth. Hidden glory that is right there in plain sight of Philip and Nathaniel. This account early in John's gospel is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He is fresh out of the waters of the Jordan River and dusty from his desert temptations. He's just starting out. Most have not heard of him yet. Thankfully, John the Baptist has been doing his work as the forerunner of the Christ. He has even pointed some of his disciples to leave him and start following Jesus. He points out Jesus to the people, saying that he is the one whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. He says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The next day, John tells us in his gospel, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. Jesus has been down in the south of Judah where John has been preaching and baptizing in the wilderness by the Jordan River. But now Jesus wants to go all the way up north to the region of Galilee. That's where Andrew and Simon Peter, his first two disciples, are from. And when Jesus arrives in Galilee, he finds Philip, and he calls him, follow me. And when the Son of God calls you to follow him, you better follow him. John gives us some background on Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Peter and Andrew are following Jesus, and they're from Bethsaida. So now, Philip is joining his towny friends. 
And Philip wants more friends to join him in following Jesus. That he has recognized Jesus as the Son of God, as the Christ, the Messiah. And so Philip is naturally excited. And naturally then he wants to share this excitement of the Christ with others. He wants to tell others that Jesus, that he has discovered Jesus. Better yet, that Jesus has discovered him. And so Philip finds his friend Nathaniel and says, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is a very big deal. Israel has been waiting centuries for the Messiah. They have heard the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They have heard about the Messiah spoken of in the law of Moses. They have heard about the prophecies of the Messiah given through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the minor prophets. And now Philip says, he's here. But Nathaniel is skeptical. He hears that Jesus is the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Who is this Joseph? He's no one famous or powerful or influential. And from Nazareth, that's just a little town in the backwater area of Galilee. The Messiah is supposed to be grand and glorious. He is supposed to be great David's greater son. All of the nations are supposed to come down and bow down to him. And he knows, like the rest of the Jews know, that the Messiah is supposed to come from King David's hometown of Bethlehem, not Nazareth. All of these things are going through Nathaniel's mind when he challenges Philip, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel was skeptical about Jesus, and honestly, we can be skeptical about Jesus too. You've been very careful, and yet you still end up in the hospital or homebound, sick, or quarantined with the rest of the family. You're trying to eat right, exercise daily, and take your vitamins, and yet you still suffer a heart attack. You are very mindful about how you speak with your family, and yet it always seems like your family is on the edge of falling into another knockout argument. You feel like you have poured yourself into your small business, but now it seems like through no fault of your own, you are on the verge of losing it all. So you begin to question, to doubt, to pull back on your faith. What good is this following Jesus? Can anything good come from God? You have seen Jesus and you're not impressed. And we can be skeptical about our church merger. We have worked so hard up to this point, but now it's kind of like a waiting game because we have given our constitution over to the synod's constitution committee and now we're waiting for them to approve it. We have worked hard on the planning and the organizing, but now comes the boring, but really important stuff about changing names, dissolving churches, and creating new accounts, and so forth. 
We have planned a ministry of one church in two locations around having two pastors, knowing all along that Pastor Scoggins would receive a call to serve the merged churches in Kenosha. It is easy for us to become skeptical, to become tired, to become stressed, to pull back and not want to be involved in this new ministry, in this new church. Friends, skepticism questions. Skepticism confuses. Skepticism debilitates. A skeptic does not want to move and cannot make a decision. Philip gives practical, spiritual advice to skeptical Nathaniel and us. He says, come and see. Philip is pleasantly persistent. Our focus is not on how humble Jesus appears to be. Our focus is not on how Jesus appears to be answering our prayers or pouring out his blessings on us. Our focus is on who Jesus is, his hidden glory right before our eyes. And so we pray that we can be more like Philip to see who Jesus really is. Then we can pray to be like Philip to invite our friends and family, the Nathaniels in our life, to worship with us. Invite them to Epiphany, New Hope, Water of Life, but understanding that you're really inviting them to just come and see Jesus. And who is this Jesus? He certainly does not look like much. He looks like an ordinary carpenter. He certainly isn't very important coming from Nazareth. He doesn't come from a powerful or influential family. He's not from a powerful and some place an important place like Jerusalem or Rome. Despite this skepticism, we join Nathaniel in coming to see Jesus. And what do we see? We see glimpses of Jesus' hidden glory that's right there in plain sight. Jesus describes Nathaniel, a man he has never met, as a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He describes that he saw Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree when Philip came and found him. And that's all it takes for Nathaniel to push his skepticism aside and he recognizes Jesus' glory. He says, you're not just a rabbi. You are the son of God. You're not just a rabbi, but you are the king of Israel. And throughout his ministry, Jesus did many things to remove our skepticism. He proved again and again that he really is the Son of God. Now we might think that Jesus has to keep proving himself to us. And the way he does that is by keeping us healthy, by growing and making our business successful, of keeping peace in the family. But those are the things that we want. Those are our earthly desires. Jesus displays his divine glory not in giving us physical blessings. He shows his divine glory by pouring out his spiritual blessings. 
Jesus proved that he is the Messiah as he fulfilled all of the promises given to the patriarchs, as he fulfilled all of the sacrifices pointed out in the law of Moses, as he fulfilled all of the prophecies given through Israel's prophets. Jesus displayed his glory as he drove out demons and as he restored families that had been separated from being quarantined by leprosy. He showed his divinity over the devil by not giving in to any of Satan's slick temptations. He demonstrated his authority as he taught on the mountain, in the synagogue, and in the temple courtyard. Jesus revealed his divine love as he took the sins of Philip, Nathaniel, you and me upon himself. Jesus displayed his greatest glory in his greatest humility as he suffered crucifixion on Calvary's cross. And then three days later, he displayed his divine glory again as he rose from the grave to give the promise of eternal salvation to all of his followers. And Jesus explains to Nathaniel, you're going to see great things, but you're going to see even greater things than that. You're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He is pointing out that he is the fulfillment of Jacob's dream in the Old Testament. As Jacob dreamed of a ladder with angels ascending and descending from earth up to heaven. Jesus is that ladder. He is the go-between, the mediator between heaven and earth, between a holy God and sinful humanity. And the angels ascend and descend upon him. Admittedly, water of life will not look like much. It's going to look pretty similar to Epiphany and New Hope. We're not going to be building a fitness center or bringing in a band or do any kind of eye-popping activities to get the community's attention. We're just going to keep offering the same message that we have been offering here in Racine for over 90 years. Come and see. Come and see Jesus' glory. Glory in the power of God's spoken word. Glory in the waters of baptism that makes us heirs of salvation. Glory in the hymns sung by God's saints. Glory in the sacrament as we partake of Christ's body and blood. Glory in the absolution as Christ removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Glory as we entrust God's departed saints into his heaven so that they can enjoy the eternal feast of salvation. Fellow followers, never be ashamed of inviting people to join you in worshiping with us online or sitting in the pews with you in the sanctuary. Do not be embarrassed by inviting others to pray with you. Don't be shamed by the enemies of the gospel when you post your prayers or your scriptural comfort or, your, or share your favorite Bible podcasts on social media. People miss hidden glory of Christ all the time, but they especially miss this hidden glory when we do not open their eyes to see that glory. 
And so be like Philip. Be pleasantly persistent. Our churches may not be grand and glorious. Our Savior not, may not appear to be very much. He seems to be very ordinary and mundane. And people will continue to ask, can anything good come from Racine? Yes, it can. Because Jesus is here in Racine. There is hidden glory at the font, at the pulpit, in the pulpit, in, at the altar, in the pulpit, and in the pews. Because Jesus Christ is here in this place, up at New Hope, and elsewhere in Racine. Because Christ is here in word and sacraments. By faith, we see glimpses of Jesus' glory. That's right there in plain sight. And that's because by the grace of God, we have found the Messiah. Or better yet, the Messiah has found us. Amen.